Welcome to Mindful Elevation, a podcast that explores the healing powers of energy psychology and mindfulness. My name is Rachel Tallheimer, and I am a licensed independent clinical social worker with Elevate Counseling. Join me in my conversations with some incredible guests to see how energy psychology has impacted their lives and how you can use it to improve yours. Not only are these guests my friends and colleagues, but they are clinical professionals with expertise in their fields. These conversations are packed with laughter, honesty, and insight into energy psychology. Feel free to listen at your own pace and in your own space. Thanks for tapping in to today's episode. Welcome back to Mindful Elevation for this week's episode. Today we have a special episode releasing the Monday before Valentine's Day rather than waiting until the last Monday of the month because I have Ashley Luongo, LMHC, here talking about working with couples. Ashley is a licensed mental health counselor who received her master's from Assumption University in Counseling Psychology with a concentration in CBT in 2011. Throughout her career, Ashley has worked with children, families, teens, and adults, as well as couples. Ashley has been at Elevate Counseling since 2017 and now works with older teens, adults, and couples, and those struggling with infertility, pregnancy loss, as well as throughout the perinatal period. Ashley is Assistant Director of Special Programs, and she enjoys working with couples and using a variety of skills to help increase their connection, communication skills, and understanding of each other. And today I'm so excited to have her on the podcast to talk about couples, couples work, and how we can all tie it in to energy psychology. I just want to put a quick disclaimer in today's episode that if you find yourself in an abusive or controlling relationship, that these tips are not going to fix the relationship. And we highly advise that you seek clinical and professional support and guidance. Ashley, welcome on the podcast. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. I never thought this day would come. Neither did I. Here we are. So you work with couples. Yes. Tell me, as I'm sure all of our listeners are so curious, what do they talk about? Why do the couples come to counseling? Most of the time, the first things that they talk about are communication, a lack of connection, a lack of intimacy, and a lack of having the time to spend with each other. That checks out. Life gets busy and once kind of one goes, they all start to kind of be harder to... (laughs) Yes, exactly. So communication, connection, having quality time together, creating this intimacy. Where do you even start? With couples, typically I start with the idea of goodwill, which is the belief that your partner has good intentions towards you. So they don't leave kitchen cabinets open and bug you. Oh, that's not a fully plotted, well thought out behavior? No, most of those things people just do. They don't think about it. But it can feel very much like they're doing this to bother me. So I talk about the idea of goodwill to help kind of shift that thinking to that they're not doing anything intentional. I like that. What's next? The next thing that I usually talk about is finding ways to connect, spending more time together, and building intimacy. Okay. How do you do that? What are some of your favorite tools that you use? One of the first things I always ask about is when's the last time they had a date? Oh. And a lot of times it's, it's not very often when people have kids, if people have pets, if people have 
different schedules, all of those things can make it really difficult to find that time to set aside what people think of as a date. A couple hours going out to dinner, spending that time connecting, and then going home. But most people don't have that much free time on a regular basis. And so we talk about different ways to connect in smaller ways. Such as? If they have kids that maybe go to bed early, can they do something once the kids are in bed? Have a fire during the summer or the fall? Play a card game? Have a show you watch together is one of the easier ones that couples are like, oh, we do that. And when you only have that show together and you only talk about it together, it becomes a bonding thing for the two of you. I love that. That sounds very easy. Yeah. Very doable. Yeah. A lot of it's not going to be going out on romantic getaways or vacations together because it's just not always going to be possible. Especially with kids involved. Yeah. Kids, pets. Pets make it tricky too. Very true. I never said uh, human kids. Right. That's true. (laughs) Or if you live with people, sometimes that can get in the way too. It's a lot of different things that can kind of get in the way of what we think of as quality time with our partner. And so it's finding different ways to make the time you have work. Do you find that different people have different definitions of quality time? Definitely, 100%. So a lot of people have a different idea of what quality time is. If you ask some people in couples, they'll say that their perfect date night would be going to dinner, having a couple drinks, and then coming home and spending the evening in the bedroom together. Mm-hmm. For other people, that's not what they want to do. They maybe want to go learn a new sport, a new activity, maybe learn how to knit together. doesn't sound exciting, but... Learning to do something with your partner that you're both not great at can actually be really fun and a really bonding experience for them. Not the typical way of dating. Yeah, and dinners, you eat dinner with them most nights probably if you live together and you have similar schedules. So it's something a little different, being able to be comfortable doing something outside of your element, switching it up a little bit. And doing it together. Yeah, that's a big part. Now this ties into this idea of communication. People may have different ideas of what quality time looks like and how they want to spend time with their partner, but if they don't communicate it, then it doesn't happen. Oh. One thing I do like to do with couples is I encourage them to take turns planning a date more so with what they think the other one would like. So if your partner loves doing daredevil things and you not so much... We don't necessarily have to go like full on skydiving on a date for this to have mission accomplished. But maybe you go someplace where there's a roller coaster that you're up for, that you think they like things that are more exciting, more adrenaline rush. Let's tame that down to where I'm comfortable. So finding that balance. Yep. Yet still considering the other person's wants. Yes. And what about that daredevil? If... They want fun and exciting and adventure and their partner wants to be a little more chill. What would you suggest? When they plan the date, they would plan it more based on their partner's wants and needs. So it might be a lower key activity. It might be a pottery making class. It might be going up on like a gondola into the mountains. Oh, that sounds lovely. Right? So it's not necessarily daredevil and scary, but it's still something different outdoors. If you like heights, it's a little fun. If you don't, it might be a little scary. (laughs) Right. But it's catering more to your partner and their needs versus what you want to do. So there's a selflessness in it. Yes. Do you find that some partners tend to get selfish in their relationship? Of course. We're people. Yeah. 
People are going to get selfish. People think they know what their partner wants, but maybe they don't realize that over the past 20 years they've been together. What's fun when you're 25 maybe isn't as fun when you're 45. This is news to me. (laughs) You'll figure it out. This is all really good information. Do you have any suggestions on how to better communicate with your partner? Be clear. Ask for what you want. Tell them what you need. Which is so not what people do. What I hear and what I see is, oh, well, they should know what I want. I've given hints. Why aren't they picking up on it? I shouldn't have to tell them anything. And then they get disappointed. And then the resentment starts. And the other partners, they're like, why is this person upset? Right. You can't read minds. And I think keeping that in mind, if you think you know what your partner likes, you can ask them. You can give them options. Hey, I'd like to do this or this. Do you want to pick which one? You can write things down so that way you don't have to actually think about it. You can say, can you write a list of 10 things that you would like to do for a date? And then when it comes time to plan that date, they look at the list that you made. They pick one of those things. So you don't know what they're going to pick out of that 10 list, but you can pick something. So it's not like you're specifically saying, I want this date. Right. And then when the partner doesn't want to do that, say if the daredevil partner wants to go skydiving, the other partner doesn't want to do that, right? So it's not all or nothing. It's very much finding that balance of these are a few things I would like to do. Surprise me. Yes. Within reason. Yes. <laughs> and maybe after you go skydiving, you have a nice picnic that you plan and you set up. You can combine some things in there if you need to. But I think asking and I think just trying to be honest with what it is that you want and need from your partner is huge. Why do you think people don't express what they need? Past experiences, not really knowing how to, having never seen it. The way we learn to communicate is from what we've seen growing up. Preach. So if if your parents didn't communicate well or at all for some people, you don't know how to do it either. I think it's a thing that we all assume that other people can do when in reality, it's a skill that you have to work on all the time to do. There are so many people I talk to who say, I don't want to end up like my parents. I don't want to end up like my mom. I don't want to end up like my dad. I don't want to end up like my grandparents. And I always tell them, that's not enough. <laughs> you, you, you need to learn a new skill set to not replicate what you learned as a child. And even if you want to not be like your parents, you need to do more. Also, if you want to be like your parents... You still have to do more because your partner did not grow up with those same parents. You just blew my mind. That's so true. We have another human in the mix. Yeah, who came from a completely different family and a different way of communicating. And so good or bad, we have to recognize that everyone grew up with a different communication style than we did. You know what I'm sort of imagining in my brain? Puzzle pieces? Yep. I'm just imagining zooming out and seeing these two puzzle pieces, but with their own puzzles attached to it. Yeah. I'm going to use that in future sessions. That's a good one. I might steal it. Absolutely. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) And so it's not just saying this piece fits with me. Why is it so hard? It's because there's an entire other image on the other side of that puzzle piece. Or what I'm doing works so well for me with my family why doesn't it work with you? Mm-hmm. And the answer is because it wasn't how their family did things. Two different people, two different childhoods, two different experiences. 
And we can't put our own perspectives on someone else. Right. Although it would be helpful, but we can't. It would be so helpful. (laughs) Self-esteem is a crucial factor to our happiness and success. If only there was a step-by-step class on how to build self-esteem. Oh, wait, now there is. Elevate is thrilled to announce the launch of the online course, Challenge Yourself to Better Self-Esteem, that will help you become your best self. You can find the link for the course in the podcast description. And we have a special code just for our Mindful Elevation listeners. You can use Mindful Elevation for 15% off. Now on to the episode. We covered communication. We covered some quality time and date night. What about connection? How do we create more emotional intimacy? I have eight different ways where you can use energy psychology, mindfulness skills to build that connection with your partner in a way that are all free. That fits in budget. That don't take a lot of time. That also fits in budget. And that you can do when kids or people or animals are sleeping. So the first I want to talk about is synchronized breathing. So what you would do is you would sit facing each other in a comfortable position. Close your eyes and synchronize your breath. Inhale and exhale together. So Mm. when you first start doing this, it might feel a little awkward or a little, maybe clumsy might be a good word for it. But the more you get into it and you just kind of focus and slow down your breathing to match each other, it starts to get easier. You know what's funny is actually when I was younger, I remember doing this. I'm sure I did it with, you know, my mom when I was cuddling with her as a child. I would synchronize my breath with her. And it's interesting now hearing it as an actual tool. It's like, oh, that was already in my toolbox. But I just didn't realize that I could do that in a romantic relationship. Yeah. I'll also do it sometimes if I ever get a little anxious. I'll ask my partner to give me a hug and we'll just like match his breathing. Yes. Because that can help calm me down a little bit too and just give me that in and out feel. And the hug helps because I like a good hug. Of course. Studies have shown that a hug for longer than what, 20 seconds? I think so. Releases the oxytocin and the serotonin and all those feel-good hormones. So you got two in one with that one. You got the breathing and the hug. Right. And so even if you don't want to do the breathing, you just hug. Exactly. You still got to breathe. You do still have to breathe. (laughs) So we got the synchronizing breathing. What's next? The next one's going to be a shared meditation. So again, sit comfortably with your partner, face each other, close your eyes. Choose a guided meditation or focus on a shared intention. So the shared intention can be something like connection, love, healing, intimacy, closeness. You pick something that you just want to focus on. You visualize a shared energy field surrounding both of you, fostering a sense of unity and connection. So kind of thinking like it's just the two of you. You're in a bubble and you focus on it's just the two of you in that bubble. Just the two of us. Actually, this gives me an idea for an energy elevator to release next week. I will be releasing a couple's shared intention meditation for you to do with your partner. Oh, look at that. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So try that one out. But you're going to have to wait for it because it'll release next week. Sorry. (laughs) What's next? The next one, this might sound a little strange at first when I say it. So just, just bear with me on this. It's a mirror exercise. So what you would do is you would stand or sit facing each other and maintain eye contact for this one. This is where it can get a little bit uncomfortable if things have been disconnected. Sure. To maintain that eye contact can feel a little uncomfortable. But uncomfortable is okay. 
You're going to mimic each other's movements, mirroring gestures and postures. It promotes a nonverbal communication and enhances synchronization. So you're just going to do what the other does. So if they move their hand, you move the hand so you're like their mirror. Hmm. You're paying attention to their body and what their body's doing. Hopefully as you do it, it gets a little more comfortable and you're not so set on staring at their eyes, but you're more just paying attention to everything that's going on with them because nonverbal cues are huge. Yes, to be able to read body language is a very good dialect to have in a relationship. What's next? Next one is heart-centered connection. So you're going to sit or lie down facing each other, placing your hands over each other's hearts. Close your eyes and focus on the sensation of your partner's heartbeat. So then you're going to start feeling more connected because you're going to connect through the heartbeat, kind Mm -hmm. of similar to the synchronized breathing. Then you're also going to send feelings of love and gratitude to your partner through your touch. Which is so different than sending messages of resentment and contempt through your brain. Yes. That's a total switch. Loving feelings through your touch right to their heart. Honestly, that sounds nice to even do with friends. Yeah. Or yourself. Yeah. Putting your own hand on your heart, practicing some heart breaths and giving yourself love and gratitude. Absolutely. Sign me up. If your partner's on around for that one, you can try that one on your own. And it's probably a good thing to give some love to yourself too. I like that one. Because the next one we have I like as well. Affirmation exchanges. Sit comfortably. You can hold hands. You could lay down. You could cuddle. You could really sit however you want in this one. And you're going to take turns sharing affirmations of positive statements about each other. How hard is this for some couples? It can be very hard. It can be hard sometimes to think of things. It can be hard to be put on the spot to feel like you have to say something. Mm -hmm. Some people are better with words than others. So if you're with someone who's a very good communicator or it's comfortable for them to put their feelings out there, it might feel like it's not enough to say, you're great because the other person might be writing a poem. And so I think that it's taking that step to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on this. And just being honest and sincere with your statements as well. Because if you try to make stuff up as you go, your partner's going to know it's not sincere. See right through it. Right. I've heard that having very specific words of affirmation is much more effective than just a general, broad, you're great. But to have a much more specific compliment about, I, I might be thinking of like romance movies at this point, but like the way that your eyes twinkle or like the way that you smile when you are reading a book. I don't know, like these small little things I think are so much more powerful than you look good. Right. The things that make you you. Yeah. Because many people look good. Yeah. But not everyone has a twinkle in their eye when they talk to me. No. And I think that that takes some learning and some effort and more observance. Yep. And paying attention to the things, the, the small things, like you said. It's not, oh, I love that you take care of the kids. Right. I love the way the kids just light up when you come home from work. Mm, yeah, very different. I love the way you interact with my parents, different things like that. It's the specifics of stuff, not the, you're swell. You're so cute. Yeah. Right, you're funny. Yeah. Doesn't really hit home. No, but that takes work and that's okay. Yeah. But if that's where you start, 
it's a good place to start. Right. So if you're just starting with this and you're a little uncomfortable and things are a little tense, you say, I'm happy you're my partner. Mm. Next on the list, what do we got? The next one we're going to talk about is joint visualization and manifestation. Sit together and visualize a shared goal or aspiration. You can create a joint vision board or write down your shared desires and intentions. Oh, so fun. And then channel your energy together towards manifesting these goals. And if people need any help coming up with vision boards, check out my episode with Meg O'Toole or Carla Kessel. Oh, yes. Because we talked about making vision boards and the benefits and power of manifestation in that. So yes, I'm glad you bring that up. And so this can be things small like we want to go on vacation. Where do we want to go? It can be bigger things. It can be anything. It can be something small about what you want your living room to look like or the vibe you want for your backyard or your patio or your deck or you can just kind of take it and say what do we want for us and create it together yes next partner massage with intention so i'm going to specify before i get into this one this does not mean that it's leading to sex so massage each other with the intention of promoting relaxation and energy flow Focus on sending positive energy and love through touch. This is a caring massage. This is a loving massage. This is not a sexy massage. No, this is connection and intimacy. Intimacy does not always equal sex. This is emotional intimacy. Yes. And so when I say that, sometimes people go, ooh, I like that. And then I say, and then they... (laughs) They're like, oh, okay. Let's reel it back in, guys. Yeah. Yeah. For those who have physical touch as their love language, this is going to be one that's good for them. And the thing that I've learned about love languages is that it's not what your love language is. It's what your partner's love language is. And regardless of what yours is, you need to learn to speak the love language of your partner. Yes. Because if I'm words of affirmation and my partner is quality time, I can give them as many positive affirmations as I see fit, but they're not going to feel loved by that. The other thing I also say to couples is to try to translate. So if yours is words of affirmation and mine is quality time, I have to take when you give me words of affirmation, I want to try to take those in and in my head say, that's them telling me they care about me. That's them saying they love me, even if it doesn't meet all of the needs that I have. I like the language because it goes both ways. You can translate both ways. But it also means that we need to be aware of all the love languages. Yes. And how they can present themselves so that we can be on alert when our partner is telling us that they love us. Yes. And be aware of it and mindful of it. And then my last one. Last but not least. This one's good. A gratitude practice. I'm so grateful you brought that up. Right? It's so good. So you'll sit together and you express gratitude for each other. You can alternate sharing things you appreciate and love about your partner, fostering a positive and loving energy exchange. Gratitude makes the world go around. And imagine coming home from work and doing that every day. That sounds great. As you're eating dinner, you just say something you're grateful for to your partner. It's going to boost your mood because gratitude is great for improving your mood. And it's going to boost that relationship. It's a win, 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 win situation. Yes. Ashley, any final words for today's episode? Final thing I want to leave everyone with is that your relationship is yours and you have to figure out what works best for you. And these are some things that you can try, but some of them may not work for you and that's okay. To always keep that shopping cart method. You take what works and you leave what you don't. Exactly. 
Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. This is going to be so helpful for all of our listeners. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tapping into today's episode. If you love Mindful Elevation, please share the love by following and sharing. If you would like to learn more about Elevate Counseling, you can find us online at www.elevate-counseling.com or call our intake line at 508-297-1491. Follow us on Instagram at elevate underscore counseling underscore services. Find us on Facebook at Elevate Counseling Services or check out our YouTube with the handle at elevate-counseling. New episodes of Mindful Elevation will be released every last Monday of the month. Energy Elevators are released every Monday, where I teach energy psychology techniques and tools you can implement into your daily practice. Until then, keep grounding, keep healing, keep growing. Stay mindful.